0: This is The Dish, the official podcast of the National Reconnaissance Office, brought to you by the NRO's Office of Public Affairs.
1: Hello, I'm April Smith, representing the National Reconnaissance Office, Office of Public Affairs, and this is the NRO podcast, The Dish. Today I'm joined by Alex Cordell, a program manager with the NRO Directors Innovation Initiative, or DII. On today's podcast, We're going to discuss the details of the DII program, its mission and vision, and most importantly, we'll talk about what a good proposal looks like so applicants know exactly what they need to do. Alex, thanks for joining me today.
0: Thank you, April. Uh, Thank you for having me on.
1: So let's talk about the Director's Innovation Initiative. This is an annual NRO program that solicits proposals from US government, industry, and academic sources looking for unclassified, low-maturity technology that could eventually mature for use in NRO's overhead systems. Under the DII program, applicants can receive up to $500,000 in funding for accepted proposals. This year proposal submission is open mid-June to early August. So what are some other things you want people to learn about the opportunity?
0: So in addition to to what you said about it being an open um, solicitation to all of industry, academia, and and United States government labs, um, we are also looking for for innovative ideas. And I think it's important to talk about what we mean by that. It's not just a improvement or a slight um, benefit that we're looking for these technologies. We're looking for those high-risk, innovative concepts that are going to fundamentally, fundamentally change how we do our mission in space. Um, additionally, we're also looking to widen our aperture to really pick up a lot of the Um, companies, the researchers, and the scientists that we don't get in our normal solicitations that go out for our satellite systems. Um, And as for what a good proposal can be, um, I would definitely say one that aligns with the strategic mission of the NRO, which is uh, remote sensing from space, and all the enabling technologies thereof. It's uh, actually kind of surprising how many um, research and development projects can apply to space. Um, I'm actually not a Aerospace background, my major was in material science, and I thought I was at, I would have, have absolutely no idea what was going on here. But there's a whole lot of other things like solar cells, batteries, all these other supporting concepts for space. Um, the DII does give a little bit more information about this uh, with our six areas of interest. Uh, they are remote sensing, apertures, communications, systems design, sense making and other disruptive concepts. So even we acknowledge that we don't always have the best ideas for what to do in space, and sometimes we really rely on our industry partners and other researchers, and so we allow them to propose under that concept too. Uh, The idea of the DI is to be fast. It's high-risk research, not as in we don't think it will work, but we're not worried if it fails. And if it is going to fail, we either want to fail quickly or know that this is a good idea quickly. I should also say one quick clarification: we do accept classified proposals as well. That does go out under the uh, the classified arc, but it is possible to get for us to take on classified research projects as well. Just wanted to clarify that real quick.
1: Okay, yeah, and we'll talk about that later. But the arc is the arc website, the Acquisition Center of Excellence Acquisition Research Center. Um, we'll put that in the show notes later. But that's the website where people set up an account uh, to put in their proposals. So, all right. Well. Tell me about, you said you're a program manager. What does a program manager do um, for the DIA program? And what does the DIA submission process look like when you're sitting here at NRO?
0: So um, those are two great questions. Uh, First off, uh, I have a few roles associated with being a program manager. One is to generate and and get approval for the solicitation documents. all of those, uh, the BAA solicitations, sorry, the abroad agency announcements, the one that goes to the government—all those attachments were written or edited by myself. Um, and ferreted through the very lengthy and fun bureaucratic government approval process. Um, The second task I have is to manage the source selection. Uh, This actually takes up about two-ish months of the year where it is um, making sure that all of the proposals are meeting the the requirements and interfacing with the technical teams and leading a total of 15 consensus sessions across six different uh, technical teams for selecting proposals at the end of the process. at the end, and finally my favorite part is after the dust settles, the source selection has been made and the awards have, have been chosen. I'm the one that gets to interface with all of our successful pr- proposers and work with them throughout their nine-month projects um, and uh, and see what they can do. One of the reasons I like this is because, again, these are high-risk te- high-risk technologies. It's not something that we know is going to work, and there's a lot of room for innovation. So that's one of the reasons why I have enjoyed working with this program.
1: Yeah, you are the guy. So I'm so glad we got a chance to sit down with you. You're just doing it all behind the scenes here, so, uh, coordinating I, everything.
0: I do have a support team, and our ACE consultants handle a lion's share of all of the interfa- of all the, all the all the interfacing with the ARC. So they certainly, um, I certainly have a really good team that's had far more years of experience than I have, and I really appreciate them. But there is a lot to do as the program manager for sure. Um, as for what makes a really good proposal. Um, I would say that it's something that is innovative research and and development relevant to our space mission. Um that's really important. If this is not looking at a space application, I mean it's very it's much less likely that you're going to be selected because it's supposed to go for stuff that's benefiting the the NRO. Um, second thing is that why we really want high-risk and innovative concepts, even things that are unproven, this is not to say that we want something that is not sufficiently grounded in scientific principle. We don't want something that you know, relies on breaking the laws of physics or is a perpetual energy machine, things like that. We're, we're not going to sure. be super excited about that. Um, also, it's very important for um, the proposals to address the technical criteria. Um, those are listed in in the solicitation documents. I encourage everybody who's even thinking about submitting a proposal to read those, like read those and read them again, because that is what is on the test. I mean, I'm sure that many times um, in high school or college you've had the someone has asked the question to the professor, "What's on the test?" And the professor always gives some cryptic answer or says the entire book or something like that. We go ahead and tell you up front. We say this is exactly what is going to be on the test and what your proposal is going to see.
1: Right, so there's a checklist and they just need to tick those boxes at a minimum.
0: Yes. I mean, again, it's technical criteria, so it's things like showing the innovation of your research and things like that. So it is an open-ended question, but we do provide it to them, to all of our proposers ahead of time.
1: Okay, anything else that a proposal really needs to go above and beyond?
0: Above and beyond? um, So I would say that those are certainly the things that help a lot addressing the technical criteria. And then also, again, we're really looking for high-risk, high-payoff technologies. If there is a proposal that comes in that is very safe, something that we know is definitely going to work and only offers an incremental improvement on our current systems, we're much more likely to go with an idea that still, again, grounded in scientific principles, but offers a much greater benefit, something that's going to you know, completely change how we do our operations in space but might fail our program is more likely to go for, for for that second option.
1: Got it. Looking for those leapfrogging technologies mm-hmm. that yes. get us uh, <laughs> disproportionately forward on the science of exactly. tech. Exactly.
0: That is exactly what we're looking for.
1: All right, I'm tracking. Uh, let's talk about the flip side. Uh, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see in proposals, and how do you recommend avoiding them?
0: That's excellent question. Something that I think very um, that a lot of our proposers would would benefit hearing answers on. So first off, I would say please read the entire solicitation. I think that that is very important. There are so many unfortunate circumstances where we've had to lose good technology proposals due to simply not following the instructions. Again, these rules are not something that we just put out there and then we decide to run off on our own and do something different. The rules that are that our proposers are reading in that in that uh, in those documents we must follow like, by law we must follow them. So one example that I had really, great quantum sensing project that was coming in using all this great research into lasers and optics it was phenomenal technology i was very excited about it but the proposer put everything in a document all the technical information that we wanted to evaluate that went to our contracts person i said well can we move it over and they said not allowed by the source selection so we had to disqualify them and it was very it was very unfortunate so it's really important to um to do that for sure um the other thing that I would say is uh, ones that really address the technical cr- criteria well. We really want good technologies and we want our proposers to highlight what is innovative and imp- exciting and impressive about their research. But it's very important to make sure that that does not come at the consequence of not addressing the things that we're looking for. And then finally, as a recommendation I would give to you everybody is kind of the mirror of what i do when i'm reviewing a proposal which is print out the sections that are relevant print out the schedule make sure that you know that you are registering for your arc account at the right time print out the technical criteria when you're writing your tech and management are you addressing all of those questions are you leaving one out is one being half answered and finally the document requirements making sure that you're not doing something silly that even though it is uh, it, it is an administrative error can impact your proposal by going over the page count or not you or not or not submitting the documents correctly. Um, that is what I would say are really the things I would would recommend all of our proposals, uh, our proposers to look at.
1: So I'm hearing that, and I'm thinking that I would want to start early. So. Um, it- Did you say that you're accepting proposals like mid-June to mid-August, so people want to start on the early side, since you've got a month or more to kind of come up with this proposal?
0: Yes, so we are looking to submit an er early June and the solicitation runs for two months. So two months after the solicitation is when that will close. Um, I would certainly not recommend leaving things till the last minute. Uh, okay. We do require a lot of information upfront and it's not just technical, it's all the contractual documents, security stuff. There's a lot that goes into a DI proposal. So waiting till the last minute would be, would not be a good idea. Another thing is starting early, you are able to use our questions and answers. Um, form that we have. Uh, within the ARCS site for the DII, there is a place for any proposer uh, to submit a question. And once it's there, it is it is uh, reviewed by myself, my team, our ACE consultants, and our contract specialists, and we provide an answer uh, to the proposer. Anything that they have, questions about how to submit, if something is acceptable, anything of that level, we, we, we do answer.
1: Okay, perfect, because when you're talking about, you know, triple checking your list and making sure that you hit all the uh the requirements, I think it'd be better to kind of get a lead on it and maybe submit some questions, get somebody to QC it and um, get some extra review. So that's great, that's why we're recording our podcast now and hope to get it out to help folks uh, figure out the best way to do these proposals. Um, If a group applied previously to DII and they were not accepted, would you encourage them to try again this year?
0: I would absolutely encourage uh, DII proposals to uh, proposers to try again, even if previously they had su- they had submitted to 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 the DII and were not selected uh, for quite a, quite a few reasons. First off, um, submitting to to the government is hard. There is a, we have a lot of rules and a lot of requirements, and many times it's a learning process of how to write to our criteria. I think that that's one main reason. Even if you've submitted a proposal before and and it failed understanding why it did, going back and improving it. I've seen other proposals and technologies that were rejected years before and even just in the 2.5 years that I've been here um, have been accepted in uh, future submissions. Uh, addressing that as well, um, our R&D interest change. Uh, there are different priorities that we have every single year that. That come out, and it's really important uh, to understand that your technology may have not been what was needed last year, but this year it's exactly what we're looking for. So I would absolutely encourage them to uh, to uh, to try again as well.
1: Okay, great. Um, So, I don't know about you, but we live in a confirmation email society these days. So, one thing I'd like you to answer is, what can applicants expect after they hit the submit button? So, what are the milestone markers that they're going to see coming back their way as far as being notified throughout the process?
0: So um, the thing to look for are the green check marks that is what our ace consultant always says is if you have green check marks you are good to go. Okay. Uh additionally it's a little bit different from how people work in terms of sending sending an email because this the proposal is not submitted when you hit submit even if you're completed it waits till the end of the solicitation period and and sucks oh, them all in is how that works. So you don't get a confirmation email and such but you are absolutely allowed to and encouraged to contact the ACE. They will tell you if they can see your submission in, all those types of things. You can absolutely call and check with them, and they are more than happy to help you and confirm that we've received your documents.
1: Okay. So let's say that our hypothetical applicant used all of your tips, they've waited through the review process, and they've been notified that their proposal was accepted. What happens after that? What's it really like to do business with the NRO?
0: So that's a great question, and many people, um, many of our proposers don't always get get to see the other side of after they're they're in, so I'm happy to give that perspective now. So first off, um, after we go through the nitty gritty paperwork of getting people officially on contract, uh, we look to have a kickoff meeting with our with all of our successful DI proposers. Uh, this is about an hour meeting that we have usually over telecom where we introduce the teams to each other and we're able to uh, they're able to brief us on on their technology and give us their plan for uh, for advancement. Um, Additionally, we keep up with each of our projects through monthly reports and regular um, technical interfaces, uh, including a midterm review and a final review that's actually done in person at, at the NRO, at least until, until COVID happened. Right. So usually um, we, ha- we actually invite our, um, our DI uh, Uh, Proposers, the successful proposers to come in at the final and out brief um, to myself uh, and all of the interested parties uh, at the NRO. Um, Another thing that we do is we advocate for what are called transitions, that's what we're calling them, where we have a a successful DII that we try to hand on to somebody else to say, this is something that we think is really good, it needs to be developed further, we're going to try to continue it, and, you know, transition it to another research or organization that really takes it through the rest of the process to become a finalized product to, you know, use in our mission. Uh, and that does happen to some of our, um, to some of our DII's, which is very exciting to see. And kind of what happens is it, is it is once you're in the DII team kind of becomes your internal advocate for your technology. So we're the ones that are really trying to bring the best concepts forward and say, you know, you guys need to pay attention to this because this is going to be the new way that we are doing our mission. And that that is the role that we take on uh, for our successful DIIs.
1: Oh, I'm glad to hear it's such a collaborative environment and that people get to meet each other, even if it's virtually these days. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, You mentioned uh, some cool proposals. Can you give us an example of some past accepted proposals? And maybe you can't tell us uh, what technologies were eventually used in uh, NRO's overhead systems. But what are a couple of examples of really innovative technology um, that the DII program has helped to mature?
0: So um, I would... Certainly agree with you to say that it can be difficult to talk about successful DIIs because the ones that have made it all the way there are in space and uh, collecting intelligence on our adversaries. And that's, it's very exciting, but also it also means we aren't, aren't, we aren't allowed to talk about it. Uh, Additionally, there's other sensitivities. I obviously don't want to um, reveal any of the intellectual property of our proposers, especially because so many of them are small businesses. Their IP is their lifeblood. It's how they are able to stay in business and and to be successful. Um, one thing I can say generally, though, is that um, since we introduced the artificial intelligence, that's the sense making, which is our AI uh, machine learning uh, area of interest. It has been a very hot topic, one that has certainly inspired a lot of additional work at the NRO as well. Uh, another one that's kind of a new one that basically started when I had when I uh, when I first came on board was uh, precision timing. Uh, it started with a one idea for how to use an optical clock in space, and it's kind of just exploded from there, turning it into a whole portfolio. So those are kind of the two big successes that I would say happened, at least from DIIs.
1: Oh, that's great. And I know um, NRO's director, Dr. Scalise, has talked about artificial intelligence and machine learning as force multipliers for the NRO and really where we should be going. So, yeah, to me, that reflects that these DII proposals are... Um, accepted because they're reinforcing NRO's strategic goals. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense to me. That's great. Um, All right. Any other points to raise about the DII program and the DII proposal process? Because I want to make sure that you get a ton of great proposals this year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I certainly appreciate that. And I also hope that we get a lot of great proposals. The final thoughts I would have for you uh, and for our listeners is I would say that definitely that the ARC is the best resource uh, for any any information about the DII. It has, it has all of our solicitation documents everything that any proposer would need uh, to give us a good proposal uh, it also has the uh, it also has that the place to submit questions which will be reviewed and answered by myself and and my team and also it should have the contact information for for the acquisition center of excellence the ace and that is the go-to place for any questions about how to interface with the tool or the arc um, one last final thought. Um, in our solicitation, we do have the architecture after next. Uh, it's an unclassified graphic that shows a lot of ideas for where we believe the NRO will be operating um, in a- around the year like 2035. That type of um, out there future concepts of how we, we, we envision our, our mission in space evolving. Um, there's some excellent technologies there. I can't guarantee that you'll be selected if you have one for that, but I can certainly guarantee that we'll be interested if the technology that you're proposing to the DII is involved with the architecture after next.
1: Okay, I'm hearing that that's another way to go above and beyond in your proposal.
0: <laughs> you, you could say that.
1: <laughs> I said check the architecture after next. All right. Here we go. All right, so I'm gonna direct people <laughs> to the ARC website. And that's the Acquisition Center of Excellence, Acquisition Research Center. It's acq.westfields.net, and we'll put the URL in our show notes. Um, so that's where they need to go to find the latest DII program announcements and where they set up an account to do business with NRO. You mentioned that um, all of their questions can be submitted there, and it's probably gonna be you yourself or your team that's getting back to them mm-hmm. eventually. So, um, all right, go early and go often. Alex, thanks so much again for joining me today. I learned a lot, and I hope you get a ton of great DII proposals.
0: All right, thank you, April, for having me on the dish. I really appreciate uh, this opportunity to, to get the word out about our program. I hope that our, some of our listeners here are inspired to submit their research concepts uh, to the DII program this year. Uh, look for the solicitation. It's gonna be up early in June, and, it, and it, it, it'll run throughout most of August. Uh, thanks so much.
1: Okay, again, that website is acq.westfields.net. And if you don't have a chance to write that down, just head to our social media platforms. NRO is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and we are listing every couple weeks um, DII posts. You'll see the DII graphic, and in that text for those posts is the uh, website link that you need.
0: The NRO provides reconnaissance support to the intelligence community and the Department of Defense and is dedicated to going above and beyond to protect our nation and its
1: citizens.